Welcome to the Dive Bar of the IWC. Welcome to Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. Again, I'm at Ref Marsh. We are at WOTR, the show. With me today to talk Raw and SmackDown, we got Mr. Bishop. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? Thanks for having me back on an episode one. Again, uh, I got nothing going on, so you tell me what's going on. All good. It's all good. Everything's going on. I'm getting this alert already on this thing saying my connection's really bad and to, to plug in direct if I'm on Wi-Fi. I don't even have my Wi-Fi on. So I just ran a speed test and it's all maxed. I don't know what's going on, man. You know what's going I, on? It's only episode one. Have a drink. One. Don't even stress about it, man. Just <laughs> have a drink. We got, what are you drinking? I got my coffee. Yeah, I did uh, talk coffee and tequila today. Uh Fuck it, you know. Fuck yeah. it. The weather sucks right now. Uh, it's been it's crazy. The awesome thing about Upper East Coast is that you get a lot of snow, um, but then mm-hmm. you know global warming. So it's December seventh, and it's been raining like crazy instead of snowing. So that bothers me. Like it's really getting a lot of rain. Yeah, you get a lot of rain. Not so. Did it snow at all earlier? No, no, it hasn't. Right. It's it's like fifty during the day and then twenty eight at night. Yeah. So it just sucks. Well, at least you're on the front end. So by the time it starts to get to snow, it'll be dope. 
because I always hated it when it would snow a bunch and it'd be really nice for like a day and then it would start raining really hard and just yeah. disgusting up everything. Yeah. You go, great, great, icy mud. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But for that sake, I need a uh, coffee for the gray skies and tequila for the shitty weather. So that makes sense to me. I feel like once I go live, like all my my video presets just disappear. I have to reset it, my angles and stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. Such bullshit, dude. Thank God we're drinking. Is it? What are you like a fucking professional? Nah. Uh, let me see. Uh, there's news. Let's talk a little news. Okay. For one, tears in our beers to the legend Mills Lane. Let's get it out. The referee of our childhood. Yes. Judge Mills Lane, for everyone who remembers that wild ride where they said, if you can referee a boxing match, <laughs> you should be able to call the law down the middle, too. I'm in sure defense, he was a judge in real life. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm being honest. The, the, to be a judge, you don't need a degree. You just need a high school diploma and to be voted in. That's, See, that's the thing. I just didn't get enough votes. You just didn't get enough votes, dude. You go, yeah. trust me, I'm fair. And people go, are you? And it's like, I'm on TV. And they go, yeah, you are. You're fair. Yeah. That's how that's how you get it. Um, but yeah, dude, fucking, he refed the first ever Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon match. Yeah, he was the best. Like you yeah. said, the, the referee of our childhood. I remember, um, I mean, not to jump away from wrestling real quick. When I saw it, though, I got, I was like, oh, fuck. And I just I immediately remembered like all the boxing I used to watch at my grandfather's house. Like uh-huh. it was Mills Lane. He was he was the he was the referee of our childhood. You know, if you watched any major boxing in the nineties, it's just you needed Mills Lane. That short little bald fuck was gonna dude, he was so good as a referee, they had him referee celebrity death matches. That's what I was saying. That's what I was about to say too. That's why I said he he wrapped the first ever Vince Stone Cold in Celebrity Deathmatch. And also when you were saying that he was that that voice and that look and that ref of our childhood, not only was he so good, he became so iconic that when they said, "Hey, we want to make a Celebrity Deathmatch uh, claymation," they said, "Well, Mills Lane is obviously going to be our referee for all the matches." I mean, they could have just made some non sequitur, just random animorphous referee. Yeah. Yeah. And he could have been, but they said, no, he's also that level of celebrity that he's going to be our ref for this. It was so Let's get it out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it out. No biting. You know, yeah, it was the best. Man. Dude, hearing him also like break down all the rules. I loved it. I knew the rules. Right. Because he, the way he talked, man. Uh, Blue Boyd's in the chat. Cheers, Blue Boyd. Uh, Cheers. But yeah, tears in our beers to him, dude. I remember that it's so fucked up because he's so funny and so good that when I think of Mills Lane, I I'll like the first thing that comes to mind out like before even those is the descriptor Teddy Pink because he was on a talk show where he had a pink Cadillac and they asked him about it and he had this whole like limerick about someone driving around in a car that was titty pink. And so he got a titty pink Cadillac. That's amazing. <laughs> and, I was like, That's amazing. and I was obviously a teenager. So I'm like, this is amazing. 
stuck in my head forever as all like who describes anything like that and i've never heard it since never heard it before but he said it like it was such a matter of fact of course everyone knows what i'm talking about i was like insane so funny um but yeah man it was a bummer it was a bummer i don't know how old he was but 85 he was 85 85 yeah yeah i just typed in uh mills lane titty pink yeah I, I need to know this limerick did it come up no all right maybe look up his cadillac tells cadillac story on talk show maybe uh look perfect but- example in 1997 the, the headline for this YouTube clip says Mills Lane curses at reporter moments after stopping Tyson Holyfield. And this was after the ear bite fight. Like, so good. He's going to curse at a reporter. And he was 60 at the time. Yeah. And he's like, hey, fuck you guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> like I'm Mills Lane, bitch. <laughs> so good, dude. <clears throat> uh, yeah, dude. Any other Mills Lane stories? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I may have jumped it a little bit, you know, talking about how, how it was, you know, just personally with my, uh, my grandfather that way, but, um, cause it is, he is our referee, you know, so yeah. it was a little personal to me just up front that way, but you know, he's definitely our referee. I mean, growing up in the nineties, you know, exactly who Muslim was. He's a fight. He's an iconic character of the nineties. Um, yeah. and it's unfortunate with someone like him whose job was so niche that, um, you know, we don't we don't praise the whole time they're alive, you know, but now that he's gone, you know, those, those long lasting memories you have of him, uh, you know, the, we, we get to recant those. Um, it's just, unfortunately, you know, he wasn't going on his victory tour where we got to tell him to his face, you know, that's true. Yeah. Can you imagine if he had done a one man show? Oh, amazing. Amazing. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder what the name of that one man show would be called. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> getting it on with Mills Lane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, I, like, I don't know if I want to go called, to this. It'd be called Let's Get It On with Mills Lane. And yeah. it'll be it'll be uh the Marvin Gaye song. We're like, yeah. let's get it out. And then yeah. you know, like the actual oh, beat yeah. behind it. <laughs> so good, dude. Um well other news, other wrestling news. Uh I don't know. I guess it's probably still considered a rumor. But I want to know your take on it because you have awful ones. No, uh, I have terrible ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, Titty Pink Cadillac is a song by Sean, Bur- uh, Sean Byrne. There you go. Just to let you know. There go you ahead. Go. Sorry. It's coming together. Uh, William Regal, Stephen Regal, the man's man, Lord Regal. He. Uh, had his uh, head caved in on AEW by a single punch with brass knuckles and didn't move. They stretchered him out, took a long time to do it. And uh, now the word is he's uh, going to go back to WWE. I like what, what something I find interesting is I like that there's so much confusion about him because what it tells me is that all these insiders get the information they get by the a lot more intentionally than they want you to believe. You know what I mean? They want you to think they're getting all this dirt. They're they're being fed information because what what came out of this is that Regal had a three to five year contract. He had a two to three year contract. He may have had a one year contract. 
it does seem like it's been less than a year. So there's possibly an out in his contract. People in WWE believe that he always had an out in his contract that he could leave whenever he wanted. People in AEW were certain that his contract had already expired. Uh, the dirt sheets had already reported he had three years on his contract. I love that Regal's just like going to tell people whatever the fuck he feels like telling them and letting them run wild with it because he's old school and he doesn't buy into the bullshit and he doesn't do a whole bunch on Twitter. So he doesn't need the clicks. So he just goes and he has his own little podcast where he talks about. I do think it's interesting. His podcast, um, I believe, will be dropping tomorrow. They're doing an episode without him on the heels of this episode of Dynamite. So tonight's Dynamite, if you're watching this live or listening to it right away, uh, supposedly there's going to be some some sort of explanation. And if not there, then the um, uh, the Ring of Honor media scrum tony said he will address the william regal situation so uh i think think it's i think it's neat i don't think it's a surprise um i'm hoping that his time in aew was well spent i'm hoping that a lot of people bent his ear and uh if he wants to go back then that's on him what do you think about all of it um so number one um do people still care what dave Meltzer says i guess you know, like that's I saw that so much is Meltzer said this. Well, Meltzer said that. Yeah. How much how much has he been wrong? Yeah. And why do you still care what he says? Um, I'm a massive baseball fan. I'm an enormous Yankee fan. And Aaron's ju- Aaron Judge just signed his contract this morning as of recording. And up until the su- the time he signed legit baseball writing media members were guessing and speculating Mm -hmm. and they all have sources, legit sources that they've cultivated for 30 years, the way Meltzer believes that he does in a legit industry with public contracts and they still get it wrong. Occasionally, most of the time it's legit, but in high pressure situations where this shit really matters, there's so many tight lips that's why Ariel Hawani got ousted by the UFC because he leaked the Brock Lesnar going back to UFC 200 when nobody was supposed to know anything. And it cost people jobs to, to maintain these information if they can't. So my original thought here with the whole regal stuff is who fucking cares? The next time he's on TV, he's on TV, right? Like, well, that's what to me, that was the funny takeaway of it. It was like, let's say you are the type to die on your hill that Meltzer's right. And everyone else is a liar. Did it make any difference in the situation? Right. Regal's still gone, right. and he's still going right. to show up somewhere else. And that's kind of been my problem about, like, why I took my stance early on about fantasy booking. Why keep guessing? Just watch. Because the more you guess, the more you anticipate a finish. The more you guess, the more you think something's going to happen, the more you're disappointed instead of pleasantly surprised. So – when people keep guessing, oh, well, this is going to happen here, that's going to happen there. Or let's say they actually knew that Regal is going to show up uh, at Royal Rumble. Then when MJF fights Mox in January and Regal shows up, this is going to be the last hurrah. Something's, you know what I mean? Like that whole knowing it's somebody's last match or knowing it's somebody's last appearance ruins what happens on TV. So um, I do think that the way WWE is headed, the idea, because it's not like we actually know, but the idea mm-hmm. of Regal doing what he did before yeah. 
as far as helping to cultivate younger talent. Uh, him working alongside this new NXT style could really slow things down in NXT, um, could get more people on screen ready. I was watching Raw and I go, well, this person was in NXT. This per- Wait, everyone, everyone came through Regal on Raw. Everyone. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like this is, so it, it's, I think it's good for wrestling period that Regal is, is part of promotions. Yeah, I do think, and this is just because I don't work at either place, but I have my opinions on their product. Regal's better suited in WWE because he gets to teach people. He gets to to have an imprint on people. Yeah, it's kind of was one of my big takeaways too, is that it was um, regardless of what good he was doing on screen, I feel that the big miss is that he didn't have more power backstage. Like, if you're going to bring in a Regal who, like you said, basically built what we see on the top rated show of wrestling in the world every week, like almost everyone there went through Regal's okay. Why would you bring him in and then be like, we just want you to be an on-screen talent and maybe flirt with Excalibur on commentary. Right. Why would you not be saying, Hey, teach us a lot of the stuff that got you, whether you're going to use all of it in every way, some of it may not apply to what your vision is of your company, but why would you not want to see what he could do or listen to all, you know what I mean? Like, I also wonder if, I mean, there's clearly never been any, question on how much triple h and regal love each other they've never said anything but the highest compliments about each other so it's also very well that tony could have offered him the keys to the castle and he still would have said like yeah but that's my boy dude like i gotta go right um but you do wonder like was there a situation in which he would have stayed maybe longer you know what i mean like maybe if he had some form of influence maybe he wouldn't have tried to get out of his contract in under a year like it's kind of a People are speculating a lot about what that means, and I think that all that speculation is grounded in a way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it does say something, you know? Yeah, I mean, as much as I'm known for terrible wrestling takes, you're known for not understanding contracts. So yeah. mm-hmm. to speculate on on what he signed for, or even if he signed, how to get out of it and all that shit, it, just, it really just doesn't matter. I think... To your point, I, where, where I was going with what you were talking about is what if he was handed ROH? You know, yeah. here, cultivate the talent, get them screen ready, show them where to position their body for camera angles, to help our camera guys out by having the wrestlers be proper, you know, yeah. teach these guys how to cut a promo on top of the stage, show them where to, to stand in the ring, not just, you know, steamroll promos like MJF, who's, who's solid. I mean, but there's there's a cut and paste quality that lacks emotion. I think when you have like when you look at Raw or SmackDown, I think Johnny Gargano is the only one who spent significant time with Regal that doesn't have a full grasp on how to bring the crowd up and down with a promo. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone else, you're there to listen to what they have to say. Johnny just talks about himself through his own narrative, not necessarily with what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's I think he's 
better off influencing AEW, but if he doesn't have the chance to influence, then why would he want to be there? Uh, go back to WWE and, you know, go do the Lord's work like he was doing before. Yeah. I'd prefer that. Yeah. And obviously, selfishly, I love him. So I want him in the product that I, I want him to have the most influence over the product that I like the most. But like you said, probably wouldn't be, probably would, probably the best thing for him or for the, the industry might be him having an influence over a ring of honor or something like that. Being able to help influence AEW to get yeah, better yeah. versus getting WWE to be even more number one. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's what, that's what I was excited about with Mark Henry. When he talked yeah. about signing with AEW, he talked about having an influence on younger talent, giving them, giving them these lessons that, you know, that help them learn the tricks of the trade on the big stage. Not yeah. one, not one bit of AEW needs to turn into WWE. It doesn't. I'm not, I've never even said that. Yeah. But there's things that WWE does from a production standpoint, from a uh, a product quality standpoint that allows wrestlers to connect with fans. Yeah. You know, I don't know if we talked about this last week on episode one or not. My biggest takeaway from full gear is that the fans are always excited to see their wrestlers. So yeah. every single match gets a fantastic response because they're excited to see their wrestlers. So when you, you can't even say that crowd reactions are apples to apples in WWE, yeah. we're conditioned to know who we're going to see. Now mm -hmm. they have to hook us through the match, hook us through the story. AEW doesn't have to do that. As soon as, fucking daniel garcia comes on they go oh shit this, this daniel garcia i gotta watch him daniel bryan comes out i want to watch him you know kenny yeah. omega and and the young bucks come out before the match even starts they get a massive reaction because they're excited to see their people doesn't matter what they do the the, yeah. the acclaimed uh, look the acclaim have a fantastic gimmick for the crowd to do their thing and that's yeah. what the crowd is excited for the they crowd was chanting this is awesome for dax and daniel bryan on the first lockup Right. Because they right. were just that excited that they're going to see this match. They didn't care how far it had gotten. They, this is right. awesome that this match is even starting to happen. The huge crowd reaction for the Kenny Daniel Bryan match. Again, before yeah, exactly. they touched. Yes. You know, you don't get a before, lot of that in WWE. You need to make us care. Where AEW right. says, we already care. Right. And that's that's where an influence of a Mark Henry could say, hey, I know you hooked them in the beginning. Like um, uh, the, the, the thing that Stone Cold used to say all the time about Steve Blackman, right? Yeah, fucking he's he's Stone Cold's. I'm standing in Gorilla with uh with Vince McMahon, and the crowd's going nuts. And I tell Vince, "Man, you listen to that crowd." And then Vince goes, "Yeah, I just hope he can get over." It's not the crowd reaction that gets you over. It's the ability mm -hmm. to hook the fans in what you're doing that gets you over. So that it's like the AEW crowd is conditioned to pop at the beginning of every yeah. match that happens. Therefore, by the end of it, they're like, oh, that was really cool. But do you even remember watching it or are you just excited that it happened? So yeah. that, you know, back to the Regal of it all, like I, I really thought that Regal would have that influence on the on the, the the talent pool there that I mean, we talked about it. Arn Anderson, Mike Chioda, um, uh, Mark Henry, William Regal, uh, Dean Malenko. Uh, big show. Big show. Big show. To a lesser extent, uh, Pat Buck recently who is used to helping in this formulaic way with WWE that the, the fan interaction of wrestling when it comes to the story in which you're telling, because the AEW loves to, AEW fans love to tell you, Oh my God, this fucking story was so cool. Look what they showed us. Okay. They showed it to you, but where did it hook you? Why did it yeah. hook you? Just because it's your favorites doing a thing. 
No, there's got to be substance to it. You know, Ocean's Ocean's Eleven is a it's an awesome movie, and the twists and turns in the stories are dope. But Ocean's Twelve sucked. It's the yeah. same characters doing a movie, but the story's not as good. Like it's you got to give something just because you have all these great characters, all these great actors, all these great athletes. It has to add up. It has to to click and connect. And I really thought Regal was going to have have influence on that, and it you know. For, for me, it didn't, um, and it looks like he's going to have that influence in WWE again, and I'm all for it, because to, to your point, if he's not, for the industry, going to help it be more palatable for me to go watch other shit, well then, hey, come on over to where I do like enjoying it and make it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of maybe the big thing, is that, yeah, you're over there a year and you've had like no influence, so yeah, just come back then, dude. You're too useful to not be influential, so... Um, but yeah, I'm happy to have him back and whatever. I mean, take it, take yourself for instance, take yourself for instance, would you rather work on 30 shows in production behind the scenes and be fulfilled by positive results across those shows or come sit and drink with me for two hours every other week and get five people watch it, you know, like, yeah, where's, where's the impact? Yeah, exactly. Dude, the, the. I've been working with uh, Medusa on hers and the first several conversations we had, I was like, are you sure you want me like to be co-hosting? I'd be fine. <laughs> just like sitting behind the thing and just, you know what I mean? Like I don't need to be on there and talk or nothing. Like I was kind of talking, talking my way out of it. <laughs> but because like you said, I'd rather have an influence on something that's going than feel the need to be on it and doing it. Like that's not as, it's not as meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I mean, maybe he doesn't want to be on TV either. Though, you know what I mean? I mean, Regal's been—he's been the centerpiece of this Blackpool Combat Club. Which, I mean, the only person in it that needs uplifting isn't getting that either. Like, yes, also he's helping it's named... he's helping <laughs> established stars stay established. I don't get it. <laughs> yep. And then then it's even called Blackpool Combat Club because of him, right? Everyone else in there is like from Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> no one's ever been to Blackpool in there, but right. Yeah, so it's like we're the Midwest mud wrestlers. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's why they needed them for the cool name. They just needed them for the name. They had this really cool BCC logo. They were trying to figure out how they make it work. Um, but yeah, no, I'm happy to have them back, and I guess we'll see what happens and how it all plays out. I know a lot of people are, you know. They're having fun speculating if he's going to be on screen or not, or is he going to GM or all backstage. And to be honest, I don't care any of it. If I don't see him on TV anymore and he's helping people backstage, great. If he comes on and screams war games once a year, awesome. Like whatever. I don't think there's a bad use for him. And I don't think that I don't think you're missing the mark by not doing anything on screen. If he's doing a lot backstage, you know, that's the yeah. only mark that you can miss. Yeah. Um, I forgot. I thought I was going to say something else, but fuck it. No need to. I mean, I mean, I would love to see Tyson Kidd wrestle again, but if all he does is agent women's matches from now till the end of time, is that a problem? And trained. Yeah, his influence on the business. His influence on the business has been a thousandfold since he was unfortunately injured. Yeah, what what he puts together for women's matches is incredible. So, I mean, I'm sure if you ask him, and I have, um. You know, he gets a lot of fulfillment out of producing these women's matches. And like you said, helping helping them become better wrestlers. So, yeah, you know, yeah, 
I'm on board. I'm on it. Uh, let's see. Well, let's talk a little bit to the product. Let's do it, brother. Your show lead the way, man. <laughs> I guess. Let's, see. let's start with SmackDown. So I was telling you before we went live that I decided to just put on Raw and SmackDown on my other monitor over here. And I had them both playing. I hit play on both of them at the same time, not for any other reason other than that I just opened up the windows inside and had them both play with mute on. So that way, if there was some sort of, because a lot of times the reviews that I see, there's little moments backstage or or things that happen between matches that are not notated on any of these sites, that like it didn't happen. It's very frustrating because we we talk about the shows being important to have the story, right? The stories are what drives people. And for all of these reviews to be like, here's each match that happened and how it was, how it ended. It's negating yeah. the entire show. Yeah. It's like, it's a TV show. So I, I like to have it play when I can. This was something that was like glaringly notable in such a weird way for me. Uh, they both opened up with the bloodline. The entrances looked almost the same to each other, side by side. They got into the ring at the same time. The camera cuts were almost at the same time. They both started with Jimmy on the mic, talking to Sammy, saying something to Jay. Jay says something, goes back to Jimmy. Then the camera cuts between Sammy's reaction and what Jimmy's saying, and then leads to Sammy starting to talk. Like It was amazing that if the, there was no visual difference like and yet each presentation of those things when i was watching live felt so fresh and new and good that watching it side by side you made the comment that might be a problem if they if they don't watch it it's going to start to feel formulaic right now it hasn't felt that way but if they're not careful it will feel that way and we won't know why but that's probably what the why would be right right still love those segments <laughs> no for sure and i think i mean look the, the only thing they're in danger of doing is becoming uh too formulaic but i think at the end of the day it's working and now with the current acceptance because even uh like the middle of smackdown jimmy checked with jay and was like hey man like this is all cool and everything could you imagine that you'd be friends with sammy now and the layer of this current setup is tribal chief approved. It's not necessarily the same thing over and over again. It's this version of it going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And then they both ended up starting with really good matches. Uh, SmackDown knows what we're talking about. SmackDown Sammy versus Sheamus. Dude, it was like, I booked this episode in a lot of ways. (laughs) Um, Sammy and Sheamus are two of my favorites. As a child with red hair, um, Mm -hmm. this match spoke to me. Uh, Let me know that superheroes are real. Um, Did you start chanting, this is awesome, and do the CM Punk crying before the match even started? Just your hand out. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. And then when I rewatched it, I tried to hold it in, and I bit a hole through my lip because I, I was just, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I couldn't hold it in. So I got a hole in my lip and I was crying again the second time. It was amazing. Um, no, nah, it was it was awesome. I mean, it's it just like you said, you booked this match. <laughs> it's like Sam, Sammy's he's always been good, but now 
instead of him wrestling like the underdog from the underground, he's wrestling like the honorary Oos. Yes. Um, I guess we're all just, hey, I'll fantasy book one thing. Um, a nice Samoan drop, right? An honorary <laughs> drop? Yeah, an honorary drop. That'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> That'd be good. That yeah. would be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, dude, I loved it. And this SmackDown had a bunch of vignettes, dude. They had... Um... Hold on, hold on. So in this match, when it ended, right? Did you see Jay superkick? He did it again. He landed the most perfect superkick on Sheamus for right the... Chin. Right on the chin. Right on the fucking chin. And he wherever he slaps, or even if it's his fucking foot on somebody's face, it makes the perfect sound every time. But when... Fucking Sheamus turns around right there, catches the super kick into the, the roll up. Like it was just fucking perfect, man. Fucking perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those dude kick people's heads off better than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this is great. I loved it. I love it. I have Samoan nothing to say about music. it. It's so good. Samoan, Samoan chin music. music. <laughs> uh, we had the Bray Wyatt thing in the back where he said that it wasn't him who attacked LA Knight. And then if it was him, there wouldn't be anything left. You and I were spending some time before the show going through those the mask thing that we had talked about last week and trying to figure yeah. out what was what. And the the big thing that we noticed was that the mask that we saw with LA Knight was the mask that we know Bray Wyatt wore when he debuted, but we haven't seen that mask much since. Uncle Howdy's not wearing a mask, even though he we believe his face to be a mask. The character is being portrayed as though it's not a mask, but with the real hair and all. It does make that promo seem a little weird, but not too weird because to your point, the fiend we knew had Bray Wyatt beneath it, but was quite lit. Like it was, it was, it was obviously a different character in its presentation, right? Two sides to this one mind, the multiple personality kind of concept. So, which so here's is also interesting. I just thought of. Is this Bray's character? Because I've heard some people complain about it a little bit. This presentation of Bray. Is there a disservice to this character by not having something like the Funhouse to help fill in some of these blanks or at least zoom out on his perspective? Because that was part of the Funhouse. Before they even explained who the characters were, Abby the Witch, Mercy the Buzzard, uh, you know, Rambling Rabbit, before he explained them, we saw them. And we were at least able to like touch and feel them within him presenting himself does that make sense so it seems like we're he's giving us all this intensity up front but we're not able to zoom out on what he's presenting is that is that a disservice i don't know maybe i think it's definitely a different presentation that probably comes from the idea of like vince wanting to make sure that each fan is spoon-fed a little bit okay and maybe triple h being like no they'll get it it's the difference between the White Rabbit and the Funhouse. We were bringing back Bray. And so when Vince brought back Bray, he did nine weeks of Funhouse vignettes where you see Bray. And he says, this is the new me. And here's my friends. And this is kind of the deal that you're going to get. Where when Triple H brings back Bray Wyatt, it's nine weeks of cartoonish videos, QR codes, Little right. hints of things here and there and being like, they'll get it. Don't worry about it. They'll get it. You know what I mean? So I think this is kind of the difference 
that Bray gets to play with. Where but before with the too, fiend, so with the fiend and everything, it was right in front of us. But by the time we get what this is, it's going to be all around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how it feels. Because that's the other thing I was I was uh, thinking the dip, a big difference between uh, Howdy Boy and the fiend was Bray's reaction to boy howdy if the mask is the one who attacked la night and it was bray in the mask and bray says but if it was me there'd be nothing left then he's reversed what the fiend was the fiend was the more vicious side of him and in this portrayal bray's the more vicious side and boy howdy's not as vicious you know what i mean like yeah even if you get boy howdy yeah even like funhouse bray was afraid of the fiend yes and no nobody wanted to see him even yeah. even funhouse bray yeah yeah i know i get that I, I see what you're saying it, um but it also it also doesn't seem like and i know people's early speculations that it was going to be the six sides of what uh you know Wyndham what or what have you um it doesn't seem like Bray is connected with Uncle Howdy, Not like yet, he was no. with the Fiend. Yeah, there's 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 a missing link there. There's an acknowledgement, but not as if they are um, interconnected. I should say. I mean, they're definitely connected through some type of it. You know, they have the same credo, the know what you are. Um, you know that that pops up. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I think they have some more legwork to do to really hook me in. I mean, of course, I'll watch anything he does, but there, there, there is going to come a point where it's like, all right, guy, come on. Yeah, and this does feel like a lot of slow play with the LA Knight thing. I thought we were going to end up with a match at the Survivor Series, and we did not. And it doesn't seem like we're that much closer to a match, but I guess we'll get, we'll get there. Well, especially uh, it's with the... no pay per view until Royal Rumble too. So. Yeah, but do you want to wait and put LA Knight in a match against Bray, or do you want to? have LA Knight in the Rumble. And do you want Bray wrestling before a premium live event? That's true, too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, let's see. Shayna Baszler versus Emma. So Emma kissed Madcap before this. I am so out on Emma. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's the only thing I didn't take notes on. There was nothing. So the yeah. uh, except for the aftermath, Shayna is going to break Emma's arm. Uh, Shotzi comes out to help. So Shayna's going to break Shotzi's arm. And Raquel comes out with an already broken arm. And Shayna goes, I better get out of here. <laughs> um. It's interesting because we're building this sort of little semi anti Shayna faction and Shayna still just having a hard time winning matches in general. It took her a long time to defeat Emma in Emma's like second match. I don't know. It's just Shayna also lost to Shotzi like two weeks ago. So I don't understand. They're, they're at the same time trying to build the, the violence of Shayna while also not building that she can win. Like she well, this sucks is... at this, but she's mean about it. <laughs> um, I, I liken, I liken the, 
uh, difference between Vince and Triple H to the way you talk about crowd noise being piped in or not. Oh, yeah. um, the difference of Vince being there and or, you know, Vince running the show or Triple H, uh, Shayna, how do you explain that one then? You know? Yeah. Oh, well, now that Vince isn't here, uh, it's the same fucking Shayna <laughs> who constantly loses. Oh, she's such a fucking badass who loses by being a fucking idiot. Like, yes, that's. You know, or like you said, she's so badass, but it takes forever to to beat people. Where's where is that strength in her that we were supposed to see once Triple H took over? You know, so um, and it's not even like the slow, methodical breaking someone down thing. It's just having a hard time winning a match. Yeah. Oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean, yeah. No, like almost like she's not good at this. Yeah, I'm not yeah. good at this thing. Where it's not like she's just sitting there slowly working the arm the whole match. She is working the arm the whole match, but she's also taking a lot of offense she's on the defense right. a lot right, right. You know yeah she's also like getting she's just... kicked in the face she's also yeah <laughs> she's also getting beat up <laughs> yeah because yeah. it's one thing to, to play with your food right if you're a predator right it's another thing to have a hard time catching this this mouse right you know it's the old tom and jerry she's fucking yeah. tom and jerrying every match dude uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna reference back to this shotzi stuff uh, a little bit later because i thought there was something super notable about something else in pertains to do you think do you think ronda and Shayna are gonna bring in a third because they seem to put the three of these people uh as a force for Shayna to walk out i don't think she walked out on raquel i think she walked out on all three of them she did but i don't think that emma is a part of that group I think Emma falls to the wayside here and goes back to flirting with Madcap. And because Shotzi came out not to protect Emma, her friend, but to take down Shayna, her the person that fucked her over. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, but after this match, there was something uh, super notable. Uh, there was a new vignette of the new Lacey Evans, uh, the voiceover thing talking about how she's tired of trying to fit in and that she is going to go back to what got her who, what made her into who she was, the fighter that she was. And so it shows this big military boot camp kind of vignette. She's going back to the Marine way of things. Her new logo is all stencil. I mean, I think that this is where they should have started with her. And they've tried to repackage her several times to kind of get this sort of thing going for her. So I'm okay with it. It's our idea two years ago. Yeah, so we said two years ago, make her a Sergeant Slaughter. And it looks like they're finally going that route. This might work. So I agree. Um, I thought the video was dope. But my problem was they didn't erase the past. There's nothing that Lacey has done in the past for us to hold on to. Um, my, my biggest, best memories of Lacey where she was a legit wrestler was the Mae Young classic and some of her early NXT stuff. Very, very solid in the ring, super athletic, really Mm -hmm. showed athleticism over power, tied it together really well. Then I absolutely loved, absolutely loved her main roster debut. Every time her music would hit, she'd walk out through the ring and then walk right back. And there was nothing anybody can do about it because she's a badass. I loved it. But she's even her her mixed tag match with Seth and Becky with Baron Corbin, like that whole build just wasn't done well. Um, and people don't have fond memories of that, except for uh, you know, Becky taking the end of days. Mm-hmm. Um 
So they should have, instead of going off the fact that she's had failures of the past or she hasn't made it to where she should be based on the past, just fully repackage her as Lacey Evans, the badass Marine, because they just tried to do some of that already with the terrible childhood that brought her to the armed forces. So like it's, it's still, I thought it still touched too much of the past. And if it continues that way, where she keeps telling us that she has to overcome and become this disciplined person, I think, I think it's pretty close to having a lacy problem where she may not be able to get out from underneath any of it. Yeah. I think that, I don't think that they should harp too much on the stuff that was before. I do think that they did a good enough job of just saying more or less that like I was lost in the mix and I shouldn't be. And so now I'm going to hunker down and do this. I think the last repackage was the big failure. And that that's the hurdle to get over is that, can we go from Southern bell to this without everything that happened in the middle there? Because that was really fucking. That last repackage was tough. She really tough. She the vignettes were sympathetic because of her past, and then she comes out like sexy mom waiting for the cable guy. Yep. Like why? Why are you wearing such women undergarment right now? And then wrestling and telling the fans, "Thank you, I'm better than you," but thank you. Like it was, it was such a a blender of bullshit. So I, I'm, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of the athlete and wrestler because I've seen what she's capable of. I want something to work, but I'm not going to give it a pass if it doesn't. Yeah, no, I we've. She's been one of the bigger disappointments to to this house just because that so much about her story and who she is should be speaking to veteran producer lady with a similar background, and she just is constantly disappointed by what she gets when she sees something that she goes, I should be behind this a thousand yes. percent. Yeah. And then to be constantly let down that she can't get behind this person that should be representing her in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's been a lot of misses. So I'm hoping that this gets us on track to what we said two years ago on how we think that you could present her. That would not be an embarrassment to women veterans. <laughs> yeah. Because quite frankly, that's what it was. The Southern Bell shit, and then the crybaby repackage, and yeah, it's just tough. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we did get Gunther and Kofi Kingston, which I thought was badass. The promo was too. I liked. Yeah, I liked in in the back when Kofi approached Imperium. He started out as like New Day Kofi, and then the promo ended as like solo wrestler Kofi. Yeah, you know, like he, yeah, you really can see that his switching character. I thought that was, I mean, it's just being a twenty-year professional, um, but I think it's things that people shouldn't take for granted. Yeah, I feel like he did that though a lot when he was world champ. A lot of people were talking about how they couldn't take this serious or that, and I felt like that when he was champ, he would go out there and dance and throw pancakes, and then when the promo started getting going, he was all like, "Yeah, I like to have a good time, but." It's not because I don't take it seriously. You know what I mean? Like you drop. Oh, absolutely, voice. absolutely. Especially after he won the title. I mean, his yeah. his way to the title. There was a lot of hunger in him when he had the opportunity to to speak on his own. And then after he won the title, you know, like some of the stuff he did with Seth for a couple weeks was fucking incredible. And he he stood right next to him, and you understood why he was a champion. Absolutely. But that's I mean that's why I brought it up now because I, I don't think people gave gave him a lot of credit 
anyway, just because the, the New Day stuff is so silly. I agree. Yeah, they should definitely. In a good way. Silly in a good way. It's just not what yeah. you expect of the solo performer. Yeah. Let me see. I'm on the... Yeah, then the match was just fucking so good, dude. Dude, so... how good is Gunther? He's amazing. Like, his He's... his selling for Kofi was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. After that match, though, because the other thing is, like, I don't know. Do you want Gunther to lose this icy title at any point? No. Uh, and when, at the end of the night, when he did the stare down, I was like, oh. Gunther looks incredible with the title on his shoulder. Yeah. I don't care which one it is. But anytime he has it, I mean, he looks like the final boss. Yeah. And when he holds the title, like, fuck, you can't take that off of him. How do you take it off? Yeah. That's yeah. that's built in storyline right there. And he presents himself that way. Yeah. He's he fantastic. makes the title important. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he could do that with the fucking 24 seven if he wanted to. Because no, be cool. he's he's the prize. He's yeah. he's the victory. It's not it's not winning the IC title. It's beating Gunther. How do you yeah. do that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Usos got jumped by Seamus in the back. That's pretty dope. Seamus is a badass. Yeah, he should no lay them up. Should lay lead that motherfucker. <laughs> on, I'm trying to find. Came out waving his shillelagh and just hit him in the back. Yeah. Where the fuck was this other stuff, dude? Oh, here it is. Hold on, I'm trying to find some stuff here because I want to make sure I get some of this right. There it goes. So yeah, right after. Okay, so yeah, Seamus Shillelagh's him. Damage control comes out, talks a bunch of mad shit on the women's roster. And it seemed to be like that was the only thing, right? Like, before you get to the return, the only reason damage control was here was to talk shit about the women's roster and then leave, right? Like, if you're not going to have the run, and like, theoretically, that's what that was. It wasn't like they were there for a match. None of them were in a match. They just showed up. And honestly, had they not had Liv or the return, it would have been a good way to help rebuild the lost credibility from the ass weapons they've been taking for the last, you know, couple weeks. That's true. This would have been a nice way to kind of give them a little bit of something. But we can't give damage control a little bit of rope without yanking it right back. So (laughs) Liv Morgan comes out and says, yeah, I can probably beat all three of you guys because you suck at this. And then rushes them. Damage control starts to turn the tides, which it takes them a minute to def- to turn the tides on a single person. Uh, and then Tegan Knox comes out and helps live. This was Tegan Knox's big return. Here's the part that got me. In even a kayfabe sense. We got Tegan Knox returning to save Liv Morgan. The last time we saw Tegan Knox. She was a number one contender for the women's tag team titles as teamed with Shotzi. For weeks, we've been seeing Shotzi get her ass kicked with only Raquel helping her. That's right. Shotzi and Knox leading towards WrestleMania. Uh, that whole when they were going down to NXT, coming back up before the NXT tag titles came in. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So now yeah. Tegan comes in to save Liv. While in the same show, so Tegan's 
theoretically backstage watching and waiting for her moment, mm. which is also bizarre. She watches Shotzi get her ass kicked and just lets it happen. I what think she Shotzi missed done? it. No, Tegan missed it because she was cutting off the front of her jeans. She was attacking a bear. She was getting attacked <laughs> by a bear, defending her life against... Well, that bear was bear on attack. cocaine, so... Yeah, that was cocaine bear. <laughs> that movie looks awesome. <laughs> it's going to be so good, dude. It's going to be so good. I can't wait to do so much cocaine and see that movie. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's cool to have Tegan back, but now we have what Tegan and Liv as a team, Shotzi and Tegan be damned. Uh, Shotzi's been getting her ass handed to her and needs someone with a broken arm to come out and help because Tegan doesn't want to. Uh, and they never explained even in, in any of Shotzi's promos, it never was like, Hey, I I'm on my own now because I want to be my tag partner was dead weight and I cut them loose. Like none of that shit happened. So theoretically we're just supposed to pretend they were never tag team and never number one contenders multiple times. Yeah, well, it's not like they've I, – I get what you're saying, but you're also coming from a I watch every second of WWE for the last 30 years perspective, not from a, you know, this is she all brand new. She came in to since... tag the tag team champions. Last time we saw her, she was a number one contender. You'd think that she would show up with her partner in hand. I, I get that. I get that. Damage control has only existed – since SummerSlam. Therefore, yep. any beef with them exists on brand new on a brand new level. Because even Dakota has is is brand new. I mean I, I can't I can't even talk the team kick stuff like that except I mean I I, I don't know. I, I get that what you're saying. Short lived. I get what you're saying. So I get it, over all, it. All of it's short lived. <laughs> all all of it's yeah. short lived. So this is brand new is what I'm saying. So like this is Tegan going after this section of the women's roster. I hear you. It's not the right place to debut her, but to tie it to other things, to make it a better place. I mean, if you're debuting her here, you're assuming that the story is going to go to the next spot. Could very well be that Shotzi and Raquel have something that WWE likes. Therefore, what do we do with Liv? I don't know. Tegan Knox wants to come back. Let's put Liv and Tegan together. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? So it could be anything they want to do. But um, my biggest takeaway from it was how hard Dakota Kai was selling for Tegan Knox. Oh, yeah. Um, she and that's that's <laughs> Dakota gave her, like you say, you've been saying this for years. Dakota gave her the full on Dolph Ziggler treatment. Anytime Tegan got touched or Dakota got touched by Tegan. That I mean, the hair went everywhere. The body's flying all over the place. Oh, yeah. I, I was smiling watching. I was like, yeah, she she loves her friend being back. You know? Yeah, if Dakota Kai was Sonic, there'd have been rings everywhere. Oh, everywhere. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, she explodes. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that it's a really weird spot to do. Plus, I'm tired of Liv and tag teams at this point. Yeah. Liv has tagged with every single person and never gotten the job done with any of them. So why would you want to tag with her? In a kayfabe sense. I'm just saying from a kayfabe standpoint, Liv is better as a solo. She's a failure as a tag team. Every team she's in does not win the tag team and falls apart and moves on without her. But as a standalone, she's a badass. So I don't see why this new crazy Liv would want to tag. No, I'm on my own path, right? It's just, to me, from a kayfabe standpoint, it made no sense. I don't understand why Tegan's here helping Liv and watching her, her old 
best friend get her ass handed to her 20 minutes before. Like, it's just a weird spot. And I think that what it was, to be honest and to critique it fairly and unbiased, as I always do, right down the middle, <laughs> this felt a lot like a like a Tony Khan uh, sort of booking of return. We're just kind of here because, hey, this is a spot for it. And like you said, ah, we don't want her with Shotzi. We got the Raquel thing going. Uh, we could do her with Liv. Uh, does it make sense? No, but it's what we'll do. And the people just accept it and they'll fill in the gaps in their own mind. You know what I mean? This is a we're responsible Instead for filling of, in the gaps like, here. Waiting another week, waiting another two weeks for have it make the proper sense. Yeah. Maybe Shotzi yeah. Yeah, and maybe Liv and Shayna get into a, a, a bit of a spat and Shotzi comes to help Liv. And also gets her ass kicked. And then now Tegan comes out to save Liv and she, Shotzi. And at least there's all like, a, hey, I'm partnering with this person. Hey, right. Liv needs a hand. Like, you can always do it in a way that could make sense. Instead of just being like, Tegan watches her old tag team partner get her ass kicked. Liv is bad at tag team wrestling. And this is all kayfabe, not real. Liv right, is bad right, at tag right. team wrestling. Yeah. So now Tegan's going to come out and fight a Dakota who the main roster has no idea why she would have an issue with Dakota. Definitely no issue with Bailey ever, and certainly never an issue with EO that was ever on a main roster thing. Like, so Tegan just comes out, old partner be damned. Like, it's just, it was weird and it forces us to fill in the gaps. And I just think they didn't have to do that, especially with Raquel and a broken arm. Raquel yeah, that, could... that was the other thing. Yeah, as you were talking, I was like, you know, and Raquel's even injured. So let Raquel heal, bring in uh, Tegan for that. And then here we go. But, to your point, um, it's not like Shotzi is next to the tag titles either, though. You know, no. Shotzi is next to uh, Ronda and Shayna. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a mess, but I'm really happy she's back. I like Tegan. I think she's great. She's solid, unless she's wrestling Ray Ripley, then her ACLs just go bye bye. Yeah, just her knees explode. Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. So right. Uh, and then the, the final match was Ricochet versus Santos. They had two big video segments of Santos talking why this is important to him. Ricochet talking about why this is important to him. Um, I thought those segments were awesome. And then the match happened. Uh, and I really enjoyed the match. Uh, but you and I were talking before this. There was a, there was a, a few critiques in there. Uh, these two dudes deservedly in the main event spot on a SmackDown. I'm really happy these two dudes were in a main event together. And I do think they work well together for the most part. Correct. Did you want me to jump into the, yeah. <laughs> the critiques? It sounded like you were leading you towards the critiques. No, you shit on it. I will never. No, you shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get off the pot. You shit on it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I um, wipe the seat. You take a seat. <laughs> um, yeah. By the end of it, my takeaway was, man, like, when's the last time they wrestled? You know, because I, I saw people putting on Twitter, you know, when they were a mask in AAA or Lucha Underground, whatever it was. If that's the same thing, I apologize. Um, that they wrestled so many times before, and you know, it just looked like they forgot to wrestle, like how to wrestle with each other. I honestly, when I like my my first opinion was what were they trying to mix like strikes plus high flying like map like it looked like they tried to put a bunch together and when they got to the high fly stuff they needed more coordination you can see them look for the coordination instead of 
be fluid like Ali and Ricochet usually are. They they know each other inside and out. So um, I'm excited for more Santos versus Ricochet. I do think they have better matches in the tank. So I was a little disappointed because I didn't think I would see that many times them mm-hmm. waiting for each other for the next thing. Because um, like at least when they did the barricade spot, um, they followed Ricochet along the barricade while Santos got up there. And then when they met, there was at least strikes before the Hurricane Rana, where there was a couple spots inside the ring where it was, okay, flip through to this move. All right, you there yet? You there yet? Okay, cool. Now I'm going to do the thing. And it just, um, you know, I'm not going to blame either guy, but I know that they have better in them. The match was athletically impressive, like both those guys are. And uh, honestly, it really just might be the beginning of, of what's going to be awesome. But I, I was yeah. I was a little disappointed. For, for a SmackDown main event, though, Yeah, everything was exciting, and they never lost the crowd. So I'll give them that much. Yeah. And, I mean, as much as we've talked about Ricochet over and over being probably the most fluid, flippy of the floppers, uh, he's always seemingly able to get where he needs to be for any given spot uh, naturally. And in one of those ways that you just kind of go like, oh, shit, how do you even get over there? Um, kind of the opposite of some guys who you see crawling across the ring on their knees and then laying back down. Big yeah, one of the NXT spots black is- and gold. <laughs> but uh one of the one of the spots santos was there so quick that he was waiting for ricochet to get back i was like wait a second how did santos get there that quick because it's to your point ricochet is usually the one that's there and ready and in the first one i was like wait a second santos, how'd you get there that quick yeah but that's i'm, I'm watching ricochet but you're already there like it was just and it wasn't for a lack of selling it was just the coordination of how it was going and that's what, it, to me, that was kind of the big difference between black and gold and what makes Ricochet so special. Black and gold was very much go over there and wait for me so we can do our spot. Yeah. And you'd see people go over there, wait for them and do the spot. Where with Ricochet, he was learning a lot of how do I make this look natural? And he's got these matches with AJ, who's also the master of that. Yeah. He's, AJ's in every match able to get to the outside of the ring, holding onto the ropes while the guy's down for the phenomenal forearm and a hundred percent of the time you go, Oh shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> it never looks like a four spot. It looks like a, Oh, how about that? I'm on the outside. I can do this thing now. Right. But I, to me that, that was the, almost the disconnect is that Santos's black and gold rush to your next spot and wait versus ricochets. We should naturally be getting to our next spot and it should never look like we're waiting. Seem to be in conflict here. Right. Like, to me, that's kind of right. what it looked like. I'm used to it being like, oh, shit, how'd they get there? And this one was all like, oh, look, he's waiting. There was none of that fluidity, and you could see the the struggle there trying to make it look fluid after the after it's too late to do so. So, um, But they are two awesome dudes, and I imagine with time, they're going to be an amazing rivalry. You know what I mean? Like long term. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would love for it to happen uh, sooner rather than later, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it was good. It was a good SmackDown. I really enjoyed it. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe this is an opportunity where uh, LDF three strong gets us Ricochet Ali and maybe Cedric Alexander or something. Get some type of, you know, Ricochet Ali together like we talked about. Uh, It wasn't last week. It might have been the week before on episode one. Um, 
Or maybe it was last week. Yeah. No, because last week was the Braun match the week before with the Ali match where, you know, maybe they're, they're best suited together in some way, shape, or form. But if, I mean, because I, I think that would be great. I don't think we have enough of LDF the way we had them on NXT. Um, yeah. You know, but we'll see. I, think I honestly I think, think that something there. as much as I don't want to discount Cedric and I think Cedric's amazing uh, and I've seen him in a match live and an untelevised match him versus Baron Corbin get the entire crowd chanting this is awesome and just explode for for that match so I know he's like capable on really high levels I still think that to me you get Ali Ricochet and bring up Wesley put the three of them together well yeah i was gonna say that too um so cedric was the first name that came to my mind on the main roster only because i i think wesley um deserves to stay in the pocket he's in in nxt right now so and because this story is right in front of us there's no point in bringing up maybe carmelo hayes maybe bring up carmelo to be, to be in that spot mm, instead could be. so that's true too but that's carmelo fantasy booking i don't do that the fun part about the fantasy booking is that if you do it right you're not like fucking up anything you just wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> you know i mean where other people are kind of like i'm trying to figure it all out and yeah going yeah, to do yeah. this right no it's all yeah. like oh this could be cool yeah. and then when something else happens you go oh this is also cool there's more than one ways to do a cool thing you know what I mean? so, well that's the thing the, the problem was when i first started podcasting that a fantasy booking like that would go into the next time they touch they would go oh well shit man i just i was just hoping for i man i really thought ali was going to come out this time and then it would happen the following week. Well, man, you know, if Ali just shows up to help him, it'll be fine. Then a week after that, man. But see, now I've been trying to tell you for weeks, if Ali just showed up and helped him, but you're actually missing, like, what's awesome about what's happening between LDF and Ricochet Yeah, that whole for a whole month. You're complaining yep. that what you said didn't happen. It's like, guys, stop yeah. fucking fantasy booking and just watch. Yeah. But, no, I hear you. I hear you. It is fun to think about what could happen. Um, just people get so wrapped up in it and disappointed when it doesn't. It's like, well, that's that's on you, not on Vince. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely on you. <laughs> <laughs> not doing what I want them to do. All right, but what are they doing? Oh no, <laughs> right? You're not fucking watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Raw. Let's talk some Raw. I uh, I think Riddle was easier to stomach in this program because he didn't uh, this uh, opening segment because he didn't talk as much as others. But I'll, I don't know, man. I was not really feeling Riddle and KO as a pairing. I don't think it was a bad match, though. So this is another Vince thing, I should say, Mm. or I would say, where. Let's tease something and make it the obvious result, right? It was going to be Kevin Owens, right? Yeah. But so much so that actually... somebody on the ringside said it in the audience. Right. And Riddle had to address it. He goes, yeah, you know. Right. Right. Like, it's – that's that's a Vincism. You know, that's yeah. that was the entire Attitude Era. It's like, well, what could happen? Oh, Stone Cold's going to come out and kick everyone's ass. But it worked because it was Stone Cold. And yeah. we, don't, we don't have that person now, except for maybe Sami Zayn. Um, but what I do think that they're they're doing because I listened to us on episode one last week, I do think they're setting this up for a final boss aspect where Kevin Owens is going to go through everyone. The main money match is with him and Sammy for him to get an opportunity at Roman, and I don't know where that lands or when that happens, but I do think that that this is going to get him there. I, what are you 
Yeah. I mean, it's what it feels like. I, I feel like that we've lost the plot on Riddle. I feel like we know that Kevin Owens is the big move here. And it feels like they're trying to force Riddle back into the story somehow. But they've also booked themselves in a thing where as long as Roman's champion, he doesn't get a shot at Roman. Right. And every time we see Riddle, I feel like it's a forced thing and I don't find him funny. But Is there a chance that Elias got legit hurt? So that's why they ended up doing this instead of giving us that match? Kind of like what happened with Drew? Probably. Probably hurt or sick. But even then, would you have given a shit if it was Elias and Riddle in this match? Not necessarily for the match, but the opportunity that Elias and Riddle could turn into something afterwards. We can we can mm-hmm. see that continued growth of them. That opportunity would exist. But in doing it this way, um, I'd almost prefer Elias and Riddle get taken out of the match and then have KO and someone else yeah. as the, the new team. Yeah. So to, to keep Riddle in there didn't make sense. Even the Elias and Riddle pairing is forced and unnatural. And oh, I don't disagree with that either, but that's why know. I said give it a chance to, to show us something again, just in case. I mean, you know, yes, we can. There's how many different things have we shit on in the beginning that turned out to be something okay in the end, you know? Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, because I remember I got the email where I was starting off with this match and it showed them, and I was just all like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I love the bloodline and I have no desire to see any of that. And then KO came out, and I was like, well, I like KO, so maybe he'll bring this match together for me. Uh, and then an interesting thing happens. Uh, Solo Sokoa gets taken out during the match by Riddle. And uh, after the match, uh, the Usos and KO, well, KO's chasing literally everybody away with a chair, and it was kind of funny, uh, leaving Solo and Riddle in the ring. Solo with the Umaga Samoan Spike thumbs riddle right in his bro hole and i've been saying for months thumb him thumb him i've <laughs> always been saying thumb him gum him and now we've got the samoan spike back you're welcome that's all la marsh constantly saying roman's gonna stack him smash him and thumb him the samoan spike is back yeah i mean i think it had more to do with the anniversary of Umaga's passing, Dumb but him. it was more of a tribute than <laughs> anything else. I, I don't want to take all your thunder because I know Bruce listens to the show. Uh, Bruce cheers. loves this show. Cheers Bruce, to Bruce. Bruce, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, put T it's one of our longest tenured. His name. Yeah. But no, um, I, I I hear you. Um, I thought the display by um solo was was really cool a nice homage to umaga i'm curious um what his particular if it's an homage to umaga is it like an omaga homage yeah yeah in in a an homage yeah an homage yeah yeah he he paid an homage um (laughs) because you you did that picture of the umaga influence for solo and didn't he like it or yeah he DM'd it or me. Shit? yeah yeah so i'm i'm wondering what his actual relationship was i don't know if there's been an interview out there where he did talk about it um but that's that's rikishi's brother right umaga yes yeah so it's their it's their direct uncle through same parents yes. yeah 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 and um, interestingly enough today and uh it was announced online 
that Umaga's actual son has just started training in uh, Reality of Wrestling, Booker T's promotion, which oh, nice. they've used Reality of Wrestling um, to pluck a few people. They That's one of the ones they definitely keep an eye on. You know, yeah, obviously yeah. that's where yeah. Roxanne came from. The Usos went through there. Uh, Ember Moon went through there. Ember Moon, yeah. yeah. Yep, um, yep. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I was, And he always seems pretty emotional when it comes to Umaga. Um, and I believe yeah. he did say on one interview I listened to that um, – he grew up on the road with Rikishi because at, yeah. at Rikishi's height, like he was, I think like six or eight or something like that. So he was always around. Um, so yeah, cool. No, yeah, it was pretty dope. It was awesome. And then they stretched out Matt Riddle. You can only get awesome. thumbed in the bro hole so hard before you got to stretch her out. You know, I usually stretch her out by thumbing yeah. in the bro hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got thumbed in the bro hole. Always ends in being stretched, stretchered. <laughs> so, sorry about that, Riddle. Riddle me that. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's laughing now, bruh? <laughs> but what is cool about that is once, once it's all said and done, that means we're going to get probably a couple really good solo Riddle matches. As much as I don't think Riddle's yeah. funny, I do think he's very good at a, at wrestling. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about that potential. I and honestly, his more vicious solo too. Yeah, and, and who has solo wrestled so far? You know, top guys and has great matches. So yeah, yeah, he's ready, dude. Yeah, keep it going. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking talented. Uh, let's see, we got Bailey and Becky having a little spout off, talking their shit. Yeah, dog. Love this. Same. Love this so much, man. Same. Two of my absolute fave. <laughs> <laughs> Two of my absolute favorites hating each other. It's one thing to see your faves celebrate each other. Like, that's cool and all. But when they hate each other, it's so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, well, they're not going to team. But they'll punch each other in the face, and that's what I'm here for. Uh, for those who haven't seen, you did this awesome picture of Becky this week, dude. Yeah, I did a drawing. I mean, she shared it on her Instagram. That's awesome. <clears throat> I've I've told you this off air, and I want to tell you on air. I don't know if it's because it's Becky, but it literally is like my favorite drawing that you've done. Uh, and I haven't said this, but I'll say it now. I think I want to get a picture of it. Make that bitch into a poster. Like that thing's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. When I was doing prints of some of my drawings, they were like five by sevens, I think. Four, I think I did one four by six of the Roman one that I got Paul Heyman to sign. That was pretty cool. Nice. Um, but yeah, that was that's been a fun thing too, getting people to sign the drawings I did. That's one of all of, here's the other thing that sucks is I'm a avid collector of of Rob Schamberger, and he's amazing. And then every time I feel like, okay, I, I have an art piece that if I ever meet that wrestler, whatever XYZ wrestler is, and it's a Schamberger, inevitably he makes another one of that person that I also get. And go, okay, well, now I have. Like, <laughs> and then another one comes out and she's like, okay, but this is the one. And so then I have right. a stack of shit that's not signed that I all <laughs> I want all signed. And then every now and again, I've gotten a – I've got – I think one Schamberger signed by Becky, but I've got a number of Becky Schamberger's. 
but yeah, this is one of the few, I think Becky drawings that I think that I like enough that I would like to have signed by Becky. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Cause I don't always want my own stuff signed by him, but there is something special about it when you do one that you're just that proud of and happy with. And then they sign it. Like I got one Hammerstone signed one for me, Nick Gage, uh, Minoru Suzuki drawings that I did because I couldn't find fan art or Shamburgers or anything that I thought was nice that I, so I just went ahead and made my own with my own drawing skills and then getting them to sign. It was like a special thing. It was like an extra special thing. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, I think that's one that I probably would, would really enjoy getting getting the old signature from so yeah check it out instagram uh at ref marsh and or uh at marsh ref on instagram twitter is at ref marsh it's up uh but that one was one i was really really happy with it's a new style i'm working on so we'll see we'll see if i do more but i also have like a dozen chamburgers fuck <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can't meet her all the time She's right expensive sure um but yeah, seeing the two of them do this, it's fucking sick. I mean, I got a Becky signature right here, actually. Find the mini belt. So it's not like I don't have things. <laughs> uh, do you think, because you like fantasy booking, do you think we're fantasy booking our way to a Becky versus Bailey one-on-one match for a Mania? I... Or do you think we're booking ourselves into a triple threat? No, I don't think a triple threat at all, and I don't necessarily think mania, but I do think what they're giving us is what it looks like when it's just the two of them. So I don't necessarily think this story with Becky and Bailey is going to happen within the confines of damage control. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that they're going to break up. I just think that they're going to find a way to make it separate. Mm -hmm. Um, It just so happens that when she's talking shit, that the two of them are there because I don't, I haven't really seen that. We talked about it last week on episode one, that whole merch table beatdown where Becky comes out on top of all three of them. It's like, well, you know, the other two aren't necessary to this story just in that aspect. Why would you need a triple threat if Becky can handle her own? So I think at some point they're going to have conflict with each other while the, uh, the tag champs are doing something else. I just don't know. I meant like as far as triple threat, I meant more like, Becky Bailey Bianca. Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I thought you meant three and three. Um, yeah, no, no. I honestly no. I don't. I I don't feel like either one of them in this this particular moment cares about the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I do think, for the record, that match would be incredible. Yes, and maybe one of the best possible women's triple threat matches of all time. Um, I've also seen some people speculate that this is the beginning of not a difficult um, linear story to get to the the fabled four-way of the four horsewomen at a mania. And I do think that that's possible because if you start this beef here, you have Sasha and Charlotte come back retrospectively and have issues with either one of them. Like that's, that's not a difficult thing either. And even you could have theoretically Sasha comes back, has her beef with Rhonda, takes the title off Rhonda. Charlotte comes back beef with Bianca, takes the title off Bianca or vice versa. Cause both of them have reasons to not like either one of them. Right. Uh, probably the more natural would be Rhonda Charlotte and Ronda Sasha Charlotte, Bianca. Yeah. 
sure but do you want to do you want to keep going back to the well on those two stories or spice it up a little bit and then you can have a fatal four-way with titles in the mix one or both or whatever um i think it's possible i don't know even from a fantasy booking standpoint i don't think that's one that i'm willing to like really invest in so much as like you know what i mean like people just like looking for hints towards it i don't think i'm even that part of it i think i hear the conversation and go hey you could like i think it's my full takeaways you could so but i don't think it doesn't feel like we're doing that The the four horsemen the four horsewomen match means nothing to me in this moment. Um, kind of yeah. like the shield the shield triple threat or the the shield cash in cash in, where they all held the title the same night. Right, that meant yeah. nothing to me in that moment because the separation of their togetherness is so far away that it's just a footnote in their story that can be written. It doesn't make sense when yeah. the shield came back together for the sake of Ambrose leaving had at the end of that, they had a triple threat for the title. You can see the culmination of them rebuilding their friendship to the tensions that they realize that they're all solo stars, right? Like that's a real shield triple threat where a four horsewomen, four corner match, however it would be, you at least got to show the unity of what they had. Like, Hey, let's come together because damage controls fucking around. Let's show them who's boss. Oh, by the end of it, we have conflict and realize no fuck that. This is what we want. The final prize for the four horsewomen. That's that's what would make sense. So they would have to at least band together first for me to even want anything to do with it. Because as separate wrestlers, they've all done separate things to, to have the crowd get their back. So when we see Becky versus whoever, we know what we want out of Becky. When we see Sasha versus et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think there's any money in it without them at least uniting before getting into it. So I, it, I I have no interest in that. Yeah, I would even go so far as to say that I think the desire to have it is strictly, a, with all due respect, Mark booking concept, right? We call them the Four Horsewomen. The WWE never has. Not on camera, not in in a sense that, like you said, showed a unity of a group. They were yeah. referred to that in different yeah. little documentaries. And I want to say that uh, when they've done commentary the at each other, has said it. commentary has hinted to they were known yeah. as the four horsewomen of NXT. But not as a unifying unit. Yeah. But never as a unit. Always like in a passing, these are the four strongest women there. And should they ever unite, could right. you imagine? Right. But they never right. united. So to me, like getting that the fabled four way, to me, like you said, it feels like you'd almost want to put that on like a like a crown jewel or something like a, a an event that doesn't mean as much but yeah but you can put together these fantasy matches that mean a little something extra you know what i mean like like especially when it comes to the women in the in the saudi matches then a lot of it's all like oh can you believe they had a woman do this and do that like lita and and becky did that mean anything storyline wise to anybody realistically no it was a great match with a lot of feel good behind it because it was Lita and Becky and you, and we knew what it meant to them. Right. So that's why I mean, like I would, if I'm going to do a fatal four way of the four of them, that's a little bit loose on the story, put it in a place like that, where the fact that it means a lot to them means a lot to us, where I don't think WrestleMania is always that way. It usually means a lot to us 
and therefore means a lot to them, not the other way around. Right. Right. You know. I don't know. That's right. my thought on it. Long though. No, I hear. I hear. Uh, but we did get Bailey defeating Oscar and Rhea Ripley in a triple threat match, which I really liked. I got a kick out of it online. So the four horsewomen and the, their stands in general cracked uh-huh. me up. But gay Twitter is so funny to me. The amount of women <laughs> that will fawn over different little things that happen here. And seeing the little clip of Bailey being like, what's up, mommy? Just going all these <laughs> these women thirst tweets at other women. It was yeah. so funny to me. I was like, like, you knew what you were doing, Bailey. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but it was funny. Uh, but it was I, I thought it was a great match. I thought it was really good. That was fantastic. I mean, we, we talked about it last week, I believe, on episode one. And we even got a little bit of it after the match with uh, Asuka and Rhea. I'm wondering if Rhea is now. And I'm sure. I'm sure it's a bigger explanation, but I wonder if she's just more comfortable in Hunter's playground than yes. Vince's. First, because sure, yeah. you know, and and a lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with her own growth by doing it over and over again. But she has zero hesitation in the ring. She is fully in, in control of every space she's in. And again, the Oscar Reyes stuff was such a letdown from their execution that everything they're doing now, it just feels different. So the stare down I'm Rhea and Becky had as Becky's leaving and Rhea's oh, coming yeah. in, they had that stare down that had a lot of people in one segment. Becky's all like, Hey, B- Bailey's not one to fuck with, but I think I will. And then also showing a respect to Rhea, like, the way Absolutely. that Rhea, like, mean mugs Becky, and the way that Becky responds to every mean mug with a smirk, like, oh, I'm going to like this. Like, it, I think it makes more sense because we know that when Becky gets her face broken, she still fights. Yes. She's not yes. afraid of anything. Yes. You know? I, I was actually thinking the the more simplistic level that, Becky knows her weaknesses, her own, her, yeah. her size. Um, you know, she's not Bianca athletic. She's not Bailey technical, which I think she's pretty close. Um, but what she is, is a fantastic wrestler within the rules can beat anyone. And she knows that. Yeah. And if she has to turn gears to be, um, you know, goat Becky and find the other ways to win, she can do that too. Which I tweeted had. about about that face off that it's the dream match I always wanted, mm-hmm. and when they gave it to us in NXT, that doesn't even matter now. It's still the dream match that I want is the two of them. Well, they didn't even finish that match. There was a running, right? right. They just teased it to be like, "What could this be?" Because at the time they were trying to tease that NXT had a lot of potential there, and so they were showing yeah. what could it look like if some of these people even now face off, and that was just yeah. a little teaser. So that way, when we get to hear those of us who saw that NXT said. That was special then. Yeah. Now this could be yeah. fucking cool. So, which, which honestly, back to your point about the triple threat with with Bianca Bailey and Becky. If if Bianca would leave that with the title, what kind of secondary stories can we have with Becky and Rhea and Oscar and Bailey? 
excuse me, and Bianca hopefully helping build the next champion, be it a Dakota or a Tegan or a, you know, a Shotzi or a Raquel or anyone. I mean, there's so many fucking women on the roster now that this should be endless. Or even if um, Bianca gets a shot with uh, uh, um, Alexa or, you know, these other programs that can happen. When you when you look at Ray and Becky, they're both stars. Does that yeah. need a title? What kind of story can we get? Um, mm-hmm. That's really it's really, really interesting to think about how. I want to say complex, but how long. Not, not even long, how dense, how dense these shows can now become where the three hours because of length of time could feel like a marathon, but also the the quality of content that we can get within there. Like a, yeah. you know, like a Rhea Becky for, for no stakes, but, you know, who's the baddest bitch around? Yeah. Oh, she'd be so cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Rhea Oscar was cool. Let's see. Seth and Bobby had their war of words doing their thing. I don't know why. I mean, this feels like it. I feel like there's something missing for me. I like this presentation of both of these dudes. I like the idea of seeing them in a match. And to me, something's not clicking and I don't know what it is. Are they missing stakes? If the U.S. title was still there, would it feel different? Maybe. Because now it's like a personal grudge that doesn't feel all that personal. Right. It's like trying to talk shit on a dude for the sake of it. Like at least in like UFC... If these two guys were the obvious number one contenders leading into the main event of a pay-per-view, you knew mm. exactly what they were fighting for because their next fight is going to be against that guy. So that's what the beef is about. It's not just I'm going to fight you, but you're in my way of that prize. And that's something that doesn't come across here because um, yeah, they're they're, they've both been performing outstanding for the last calendar year. You know, yeah. Ever since Bobby got touched by Brock, you know, leading into day one and Royal Rumble, like that whole stretch, that's it's really what we've been kind of holding on to with Bobby when he came out of Elimination Chamber all fucked up. It's like, okay, when he comes back, like this is what we want. We want Bobby back, and, and we've gotten it. Yeah. So they've really been on this fantastic level for this last year. And to your point, for it to kind of fall flat now, do the stakes help elevate who they are and it's probably because they're main eventers without the chance to really main event. I think that's what it is. I think they're in the wrong spot. You know what I mean? Like this is the in in a parallel universe where Roman only has one title. This is where yeah. the other title would be. I just said the same thing up here. Yeah. Yeah. It's the obvious thing. It is the obvious thing that should be happening. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing is the fact that you know it you know it in your head that this should be a world title feud. And we're in a world where that just can't be at this moment. And so you just kind of go like, it's missing the importance it deserves. There you go. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because they're doing all the work like it's important. But we're just visually not getting it. Right. Because we don't want... We don't know why they want to beat each other up. And we respect both of them. And I say we as the collective, not necessarily just me and you, but like, yeah, we want Bobby to win. We also want Seth to win. And if either one of them loses, like, that's going to suck. But what does the other one gain by winning? 
And as of now, it's nothing. Even if this was some form of number one contender match where they said right. flat out, hey, you know, we need you guys to figure this out. And then they had a couple of things where it's like, when I get my hands on you kind of a deal, like then even that could feel more important. Oh, could one of these guys dethrone Roman? I probably, probably right. one could. Will they probably not, but could. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Go ahead. Uh, we also get Theory and Mustafa Ali uh, with a run-in from Dolph Ziggler. I don't know what's going on with Ali, dude. It's weird. It's weird. Weird stuff. It's as if the story makes the man in this one. He, um, yeah. when he has a believable story, if it was to hit like his run towards the gauntlet match, what would have been the elimination chamber or whatever that was, you know, Kofi mania as opposed to whatever Ali was going towards. Cause I remember as that gauntlet match was, was gearing up, we knew kind of what was right there. Like, Oh shit, Ali, this might be Ali's time. What's going on. Ali looks better than ever. He's wrestling mm-hmm. better than ever. And because his presentation story-wise has been so up and down, again, kind of like Bobby, what am I grabbing onto? And he's not yeah. he's not winning enough for me to give a shit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I guess we'll just see how that I like Dolphin Theory. I do think they could do cool stuff together, but also where does that go? This does feel a little bit I don't know. Maybe it's just like the growing pains of an early championship. We're just getting a new theory and he's got to get some wins and some dominance before you can do the, I'm the greatest U.S. champion of all time gimmick. You know what I mean? But isn't this what Dolph did with the, when he had the briefcase too? Like, didn't, didn't we already go through this? Yeah. But that was like a, Oh, that was right after he dropped the briefcase. So yeah. So Dolph still got a problem. Do you think Dolph destroys theory in their match and gets the title and then, theory dethrones roman <laughs> i mean show me something i i mean it's no. it can't just like this is even cut and paste Dolph from the vince era right like yeah. what's yep. going on nothing let's have Dolph do some shit and it's that's what's happening you know yeah it feels a little staticky so what, what's gonna happen they Dolph's gonna win the non-championship on the line match and then they'll get to wherever they get to and when it's time to win the championship Dolph's gonna lose yeah, you know, like that's and that's a Vince way of thinking of things. But what else have they done to show me that Dolph is a legit contender for what's happening right now, except for sneak and theory? So I'm, I just don't, I'm not buying into to what they're trying to lay out. Yeah, I think these matches are all going to be good, and I just don't know to what end, or if we right. just, or if we look back at it in four months and be like, oh yeah, that was just kind of make him look strong as a champion for a little bit, and you go, okay, all right, let me tell you this. This theory character, and we're watching the growth. Let's say he lost at the triple threat, faces Ali on Raw with this anger and attitude. Dolph still comes in for the DQ, and we're getting Dolph and Theory with this new attitude. But Bobby and Seth are doing the same thing with the US title. Do you now care about both of those stories more than you do right now? Take the title away from Theory. Mm. and care mm. about what theory's doing more yeah because it feels like that we're yeah because at least then he's chasing something you go oh, he's gonna get there he'll get there now it's not like he's there and so it's like i guess we're just strengthening him right 
Right. That's it. Right. And then the, you add stakes to what Seth and Bobby are doing. You're like, oh, yeah, fucking right. That's right. Bobby still wants that title back or Seth wants his title back. Like, you know, there's yeah. there's weight to what that that argument's over. And we're still watching. We would still be watching the build of what this theory character is. But I don't know. Remember so when maybe... Seth took out Edge because he was in his way of getting to the Universal Championship? Yes. And then he did that and then didn't go for the Universal Championship? Yes. <laughs> But the meat of the story and why we cared was because his chase towards the universal title. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but yes, he now did everyone's settle. in his way. Yeah. <laughs> he did settle. Uh, let's see. OC, Alpha Academy, and Corbin. Oh, dude, what'd you think of all the JBL poker stuff? Um, It was cool for a little bit, but it died so quick to me that I didn't even watch how it ended. Good. It ended with Dexter and Johnny having a bunch of TV time. Oh, okay. It's trash. Yeah, I, I give everything like that an opportunity to show me something. The first yeah. thing I didn't like is that Judgment Day was on TV before commercial, then after commercial, Dom was sitting at the table. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was quick. Yeah. Well, he was also on the jobber table. Yeah, and he's not a jobber. He's a fucking main eventer. Yeah, he's a main eventer. Uh, yeah, dude, the, the whole poker thing, like, I think there was, like, snippets of things I liked, but the majority of it was mediocre at best. Yeah, And then the worst of it was awful, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then we ended up getting the OC versus Alpha Academy and Corbin, and it was that match. And then we got Dominic versus Akira Tozawa. So I guess we got solid. that match. Yeah, it was it, fine. It was solid. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What there we're was doing a with there was a bit of a continuity well. issue. There was a continuity issue with the show. I do think that he tried to like force perspective on stories, um, to make us well. To your point, because you've said this, a lot of IWC has said this. Why do I want this match? Why am I? Why are we having this match? And they did try to go, boom. This is why we're having that match. Yes, you for know, sure. Little, so like, at least give them that credit, but for what's the overall to complain about the next step was it to just fill the three hours of the show because this isn't going to go anywhere yeah probably you know probably dude it but feels at least, like they top load something yeah i know triple h yeah. said somewhere in their show or in an interview somewhere that they know they lose viewers during the third hour and it doesn't matter what you put on during that third hour you're only holding on to so many uh, it's just the nature of it because he's even said that in regards to why he'd like a second hour show or a two hour show instead of a three hour show, but that's just not going to happen. So I feel like that he books the third hour for like the hardcore fans. And I think that's why we end up with getting more Gargano and stuff in that third hour than the other stuff. Cause he knows that he's not playing towards the main audience. Like that the first two hours is basically all you need. And even then, it's probably the first hour and a half and then the last half an hour of the show. Realistically, a lot of that stuff feels so throwaway. And I feel like they book it in a sense that makes you feel like they feel it's throwaway. You know? Instead yeah, I get that. I, I still think, though, that SmackDown lacks putting on more talent. So I, mm. I would fear Raw going that way. I mean, I've always said that about Raw. You don't have to put the poker segment in there. Give me another segment to care about another character. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we did end up, though, with a triple threat. Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Nikki Cross, triple threat. 
as I was watching this, I was feeling like a lot of back and forth. And I know a lot of people were saying that they thought it was going to be Becky and Bailey at the end. So we get the one-on-one and I was like, I think you keep them apart. Cause I think you're having fun building that. And at first my thought was, it'd be cool to see Nikki go on and have another title match against a Bianca. She didn't really have one against Bianca before. I don't think, but we also have a different Nikki. Uh, I thought it could be really cool because Nikki and Bailey, I think they would do well together, but partway through, I started getting on the Alexa train here where I was all like, you know what? This could be a real slam dunk for Alexa. You get Alexa and Bailey again, where ever since stomping ground, when Alexa's returned, they've, only worked really well together because everyone's going like oh shit we're going back to the kendo stick match they forget that there was a whole second wave of their rivalry right it was solid that this was a bad era and they're like oh we're going back to that it's like no no, you're picking and choosing what you want to remember can i stop you real quick yeah would you like to see this bailey in a kendo stick match it's less about bailey and i would be happy to see this alexa in a kendo stick match but what I'm saying, the, the problem with that candlestick match before was that it was Bailey as the hugger. Does she have a darker side to her? But this is Bailey put as a heel. She has a darker side. She is that darker side. So I agree with both. I was going to mention Alexa as well, but that to say that we're going to go back to the candlestick era, like, no, let's bring the candlestick era to these two right now. Like, that wouldn't be a problem. Sure. But go it ahead. wouldn't Sorry. be a problem because she would be more vicious. But I think with a to me, the big glaring problem that you can see when you watch it, Alexa put them in a bind when she didn't want to take the hit. She didn't take okay. a single hit. And yeah. so how do you navigate that, right? And I think in this era, Alexa would take the hit. And I think in this era, um, the Bailey character is allowed to be vicious as well. So I think that any era, Bailey would make it work in a sense, but the other half has to want to play. And I don't think that the other half wanted to play before where I do think that she does now. So for me, it, the the big change and big shift here is Alexa is much different now than she was that first run. So I think that Alexa Bailey on this one could be sick. I think you give Alexa the win. And I think Alexa Bianca is a great way to finally pay off a lot of this weird shit that Alexa has been doing and go ahead and get her to turn heel. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for it. I love it. Um, I don't remember if we talked about it last week on episode one, but the the video flipping on Alexa backstage and then the uh, her her uh, uh, lapse in presence yep. during the interview, and then this past week she went for the inverted sister Abigail and got blocked. I, I'm I'm so excited. Lily's back. Like well, there's, there's, there's merch and t-shirts Billy. and shit. They made more Lily merch. They have Alexa getting ready in the back because they showed them all like prepping for their matches. She's getting prepped back there with a Lily doll. Comes out to big Lily AI, but has no Lily doll. Like there's a real start stop with where they're at with Lily. Although Lily being such a huge merch push, I wouldn't be shocked if this bad guy version of Alexa we get on the other side of this doesn't carry around Lily just to piss people off. Well, next time I come on, so is Lily. I got my Lily doll. I'm excited because when I got Lily, I ordered it. And by the time it came in, Charlotte already killed her. So the <laughs> fact that Lily, <laughs> the fact that Lily's coming back, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. It's the return of Lily. 
Yeah, that'll be cool. And then you can have you have a, a ready go story if Charlotte returns with Charlie. Yes. Remember? So yes, Charlie. Yeah. But you know, Charlotte doesn't have to come back. No, not at all. But yeah, I'm stoked about the Alexa win. Uh, I think that damage control costing Becky is good. I think that damage control should somehow inadvertently cost Bailey in her match. Although they'll probably just get punked out. I bet you they show up ringside and Bianca chases them away by herself and they run. Yeah, I mean, all that's possible. It's it's really it's how they do it with them. They just yeah. pump them out over and over again. Which again, that's that whole Triple H versus Vince thing. Like, what, what do you want to trust? You know, you would think that Triple H caring about women's wrestling would have his heel women's faction not looking like fools all the time. But, you know, and that was the big number one thing Triple H gave us, right? His first pay-per-view of head of the company, head of creative, was the first match on the card, was the debut or the, the re-debut of, of uh, uh, um, Bailey mm-hmm. tied into the call-up of EO with the return of Dakota. Like, yeah, that was such a major moment. And now, I mean, you can't trust them to win a match. Yeah. So weird. Like, I don't think it's ruining their careers or anything, but it's definitely not establishing a dominant heel faction. You know? And yeah. that's the part that really really is weird to me it's like triple h is booking all of his favorite wrestlers as though they're the underdogs regardless of whether story should have them be underdogs or not well it's like i said last week i mean and even even this kind of proves you know dakota losing to candace made dakota at best the seven best women's wrestler because the five in the war games that she wasn't a part of candace was six but now bailey just won a triple threat so that's in front of her. Now Dakota's at best the eighth best women's yeah. wrestler on the Raw roster. Like, it's just not – like, how strong do you want your women's tag team champions to be? And and to their credit, before they won the titles, very Hurt Business-like, before they won the titles, they looked amazing. Yes. They were, they were so awesome. EO was on fire, yep. really getting her ground. Now, what do they do? They get punked out. Yeah. It's weird. It's a bummer, but I'm stoked for it. I'm really stoked for what we're getting as far as uh, um, the Alexa story out of this. And I thought the match was actually great. Alexa, Becky, and Nikki I thought was awesome. I saw a lot of people talking shit on it before it even started. And I feel like every woman here really brought it. It was so smooth, man. So much of it was so smooth. Remember when when Charlotte almost killed Kyrie Sane? Yeah, in that that TLC match, um, that's what the first time I noticed Becky as a leader in in the ring, um, and every time she's been in multi women matches from there, she really is the glue in in multi women matches. So I wasn't surprised in this at all. But to to I mean Nikki's phenomenal fucking wrestler, and Alexa really has come into her own. But I would imagine because Alexa has done so much outside the ring over the last. I would guess probably around a year between getting married and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and she trusts Nikki. I mean, they're, you know, former tag partners and all that stuff to, why wouldn't it be good? 
you know, <laughs> like Alexa's well, saw... really fucking good. And, and the two of them helping lead the matches. I mean, it's easy money. Yeah. And I think that it's one thing to lead a match. It's another thing for everyone to be fluid in what they're doing. And I feel yeah. like the fluidity yeah. of everybody's movements was fantastic. The back and forth that Becky and Alexa had. You can give as much credit as you want to Becky. You can't make Alexa turn into things or yeah. reverse things yeah. very well, right? You can't make yeah. that happen. That's the other person. So that's yeah. what I'm saying is if you're watching each person individually, they each did a hell of a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one Fair. was dead weight here. You know Fair. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one was being yeah. dragged through a match. Everyone here was here to main event. Yeah, I mean, you can yeah. say the same about the first match too. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but no one said that about the first match because it was Oscar, Rhea, and right, Bailey. Right. People right, were trying to shit right. on Alexa and Nikki on the way gotcha. in. I saw a few gotcha. people tweet shit like, um, hoping Becky's back is strong enough to carry this whole main event on her own. <laughs> uh, you know what yeah. I mean? But like, that just is not what happened. I even saw someone saying after watching the match, you can really see that Becky's working three times as hard as everyone else oh, in there no. to make it. An, and it's like, no, it's not the case. No. You're just no. not watching each person. You know, and that's the thing, too. I've, I mean, we've been Nikki fans for a while, and we, as in me and you, mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever been a Nikki match that I've gone into going, like, every single one, I go, oh, this is going to be fun. Because mm-hmm. you know she knows how to fucking wrestle. Yes. Nikki is fucking amazing. So the fact that people don't give her that credit, they want to shit on the the superhero gimmick or, you know, long for sanity and all that shit. Okay. What if nobody had characters? If nobody had any character whatsoever and all they had to do was go in the ring and wrestle, where in your top five are you counting or top ten are you counting before you bring up Nikki's name? It's quick because she's yeah. really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. You know, but people get, get so tied into Charlotte as a character, get so tied into Sasha Banks as a character, get so tied in to Bianca as a character. You don't think Nikki's as good as a wrestler just because you don't relate to her character? It's bullshit. Yeah, it is. It is. But yeah, I thought I thought this uh, main event was awesome. I thought each person fucking killed it, man. I was so excited. And I thought there was every... Because triple threats can be such a mess. I thought there was yeah. every reason for stuff to get weird and wonky. It happens all the time. And this one, I was... Oh, shit. So many times. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my God. And a lot of wows. Like, fuck. Like, this This match was incredible because of everyone involved. And specifically, uh, Alexa and Becky's back and forth really had me had me going for a while. So, I don't know. Just shout out to all of them, man. They were killing it. So good. Yeah. Great job. I, I just, I popped hard for the inverted sister Abigail. I was like, oh, yeah. baby. Dude, that's the other thing, too, is that this was just dripping in story on top of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? How you had so much story happening within the confines of this match while not taking away from what was happening in the match either. Like it was just awesome, dude. That's what surprised me about the Alexa win period is because the story felt so connected to away from the ring, the way Alexa got trapped before um, by, by Bray and his powers. So um, the fact that she came out with the win, I was like, Oh, this so this is going to go into the next match? Like, the next match is going to have the essence of whatever happened here? Yeah. Okay. Let's see how that goes. Dude, getting a full heel, Alexa, is going to be sick. So sick. But if she's if she's tied to Bray, mm-hmm. is she going to be heel? Yes. 
how. <laughs> They're amazing. It should be evil. <laughs> it's just going to be evil. It's know. protagonist versus antagonist. It's nothing to do with crowd's reaction and merch. Stores. I hear you. I hear you. It's going to be the bad guy. <laughs> but it's going to be bad guy like how Bray can, can stalk and hunt and kill Miz's family and they still cheer him. Exactly. He was definitely the antagonist <laughs> in that story. Yeah. yeah. But we no, I'm it. excited for it. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Was there anything else that you wanted to, to touch on at all? No. No, no, no. I think uh, I think we hit it pretty good. We've been uh, we've been doing these sub two hour shows pretty fluidly. So yeah. Shouts to day drinking. It's yeah, uh... day drinking dope, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so tomorrow night, uh, we're going to come back to the dive bar of the IWC and talk some uh, AEW and NXT, and actually going to talk some AAA. We went up to uh, Tempe uh, over the weekend, and we saw AAA and Kane Velasquez wrestle against Sam Adonis and, and others, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. Uh, don't know who with yet, if I'm being honest. Uh, Amanda's not going to be able to make it, and I haven't reached out to anybody, so who knows? And I don't watch that stuff. No. No point. I peek on NXT. I haven't watched it in a while, but shouts. There is some cool stuff going on over there. I'm excited for Deadline this weekend. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's very little I'm excited about in the AEW's world right now. But, you know, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, outside of that, though, dude, uh, you can find us at WrestlingOnRocks.com slash shop for all of our merch. You can go to Curable.com, K-U-R-I-B-L, for all your CBD and Delta needs. You can use promo code MADTHANKS or promo code PWS for now. I don't know how long the PWS one's going to last, if I'm being honest. But you can use that. Uh, and then uh, people can find you, maybe? Yeah, at TWS Takes Podcast on Twitter. Check me out. Um, you know, And I'll be here every once in a while, uh, as often as I can be. So I appreciate you having me on again for, uh, I believe this was episode one. Oh, yeah. It's always a good episode one if I've got someone to talk to literally anybody <laughs> will do it. <laughs> uh cheers guys that's the last call from the die bar of the iwc cheers hey producer lady here thanks for tuning in continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the i and subscribe on twitch or subscribe and review our podcast on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us cheers I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.